along with the market downturn last year, the SBB event will make more investors or the staff founders have less confidence to back the staff founders, which means that it will become more expensive for the entrepreneurs to obtain the financing, whether through the debt financing or the equity financing. And this also could result in a longer wait times or higher expenses for entrepreneurs seeking funding, potentially leading to the needs of saving less money or facing more dilution in the coming years. So in such situations, it's important for founders to use their funds efficiently and plan for the long term. This is Startup Island Taiwan, the channel all about cutting-edge technology, influential global tech players, and Taiwan. Hello and welcome back to Startup Island Taiwan, the podcast all about the latest news and trends involving startups and other innovation entrepreneurs or enterprise in Taiwan. I'm your host, Yuli. Today, we have Brendan as our guest. Brendan is an experienced investor and has worked in APP Works Ventures and Cornerstone Ventures before. He used to utilize a data-driven approach to help startups make sound business decisions and develop an effective strategy. For now, he is the founder and the managing partner of Adding Ventures. Adding Ventures is an early-stage venture found in Taiwan estates. They try to fund U.S.-focused vertical SaaS startup with data-driven analysis to make business decisions better. With a great connection with Taiwan and Southeast Asia startup ecosystem, Adding Venture can bring Asia resource to U.S.-facing startups, especially in the enterprise-level B2B SaaS category. Most of the early-stage startups lack of the cross-border experience. And this is what Adding Venture can bring to the table to help startups at the beginning of the capital market journey. So, hi, Brendan. Hi, I'm Brendan from Adding Ventures. Could you please introduce yourself more? I, I think probably you have different experience you want to share us. Definitely. As Yuli mentioned, I have worked in Apple's Ventures and Cornerstone Ventures. I have invested in companies that demonstrate the potential for regional or global expansion. And I support them as ventures into Southeast Asia and the U.S. market. And last year, I noticed a gap in the market and saw an opportunity to bridge the resources in Taiwan and Asia to help the startup founders success in entering into a large market like the U.S. market. So this led me to establish Adding Ventures about my previous backgrounds. My background is in working in both startups and corporations has given me a unique perspective on the language spoken by both entities. As a result, I can act as a connector and bridge the gap between startups and corporations. So I help a lot of my S portfolios to work with the big corporations to do the kind of uh, business corporations. So I think there's a value I can add into the style as well. My current focus is on the adding ventures and U.S.-Taiwan cross-border C-stage fund that invest in U.S.-facing stuff specialized in AI enabled services, data-driven digital transformations, and vertical SaaS, offering the drive disrupt innovation in existing industries. So I think our investments are focused on the U.S.-Taiwan corridors, and we aim to leverage Taiwan and Asia's resources to help startup founders succeed in conquering the U.S. market. 
Wow, that's impressive, and I think that will help lots of ecosystem builder and help lots of stop in Silicon Valley or in Taiwan to have more very interesting interaction. Yeah, yeah. Like Yuli, you based in the Silicon Valley, so you have a good network in the U.S. And I spent a lot of time in Taiwan before, so I think if we can do something together to link Taiwan and U.S. together. Maybe there's a new business models or new opportunities for Taiwan software star founders. So today we have Brandon to talk about the Silicon Valley Bank topic. I mean, this is like huge news and bring like huge impact. Not only in Silicon Valley, actually, also including Wall Street, including the whole financial system. It's a little bit shock about the whole things. Brandon, could you please share what you see about this topic? Yeah, I remember that weekend is a crazy weekend. I think usually you should have a lot of friends on the Twitters or the Facebook say about the Silicon Valley Bank crashes. And I heard a lot of people, a lot of founders, they are driving their car to ATM to withdraw the cash. As much as possible. You yeah, I actually see that in Santa Clara. So I literally see that it's happened here. Yeah, yeah. So I think this make a great impact to the whole ecosystem in maybe Silicon Valley or maybe more wide to, to the whole world. So a lot of startup founders or VCs are checking how much money they have deposited in SVB and they want to control the damages. So I think before we talking about the crises, I think it's important to know about the Silicon Valley Bank's business model. So maybe we can start with how they make money. So there are several types of banking, including commercial banks, investment banks, and private banks. Commercial banks offer a wide range of financial products and services to both individuals and businesses, such as checking and saving accounts, loans, credit cards, and more. So they earn money primarily through the interest rate spread. For example, the clients deposit their money into the bank and they can receive their interest, which is the bank's cost. So the bank need to lend it out at a higher interest rate to generate profit. So this is how commercial banks make money. For investment bank, investment banks earn money mainly through capital gains or other services fees. As for private banks, they specialize in offering personalized banking services to high net worth individuals and families, such as investment management, asset planning, and wealth management. So I think they primarily earn money through the service fees. Silicon Valley Banks is more like a commercial bank in the sense when they receive deposits from their clients. They need to allocate their portfolios effectively to generate enough returns to cover their interest rate, pay to the deposit, and also turn a profit. But I think Silicon Valley Bank is unique as it's primarily known as the bank for startups, venture capitalists, and uh, limit partners. And its main target audience is the startup ecosystems. Additionally, SVB is known as the venture debt which are valuable tools for start to obtain additional funding with minimal dilutions. That's very clear. And it's a whole picture of the banking system. But could you please talk more about the venture debt? Because I think this is the main reason or like what happened is Income Valley Bank this time. When I first know about venture debt, I think it's more like a kind of bank offering the convertible note for the start. So they can get the interest rate from the loan, but they also may have the rights to convert into the next round. So venture debt is typical a type of loan that bank offers to the staff that have secure funding from venture capital firms. 
I think that's very important because when the stock secure funding from venture capital firms, which means that venture capital firms have done the due diligence for everything and they have faced on this company. So they inject the money into the stocks. So for bank, they might have less risk on the loan. So they are willing to lend the loan to the stock. So in the past, banks only provide the loan to the companies that have collateral which most stuff that due to the lack of assets, cash flow, or profit. So to address these issues, venture debt was created to offer the loans to the stock backed by VC firms. Few things, I think the beauty of venture debt in the past decades, first, as I mentioned, VC firms conduct the due diligence before investing into the stocks which serves as a form or insurance or a signaling to the bank that the stock is worthwhile investment. Although the bank also needs to conduct its own due diligence, but the fact that the stock is backed by VCs added credibility to the loan applications. And second, I think because VC just ingest the money into the companies, in general, they might have 18 months runways so they might have that much risk for the company. They have the default risk. And third, I think because VC firm want to make sure their portfolios can have uh, secure their next round fundings, so they will try their best to help their portfolio to get the fundings. This is also help the bank to lower their risk of default loan. So at last, I think there's an upside for banks unless uh, some kind of venture debt agreements include that the right to convert the loan into equity at a discount during the company's next round of fundings. Given the upward trend of the stock market in recent decades, I think banks stand to the benefit from potential capital gains from such deals. So I will say that SVV is not just a typical commercial bank. It's more like the combination by both from the commercial bank and entrepreneur funding to create a unique business model. I think it's impressive. But recent events have that many wondering how such a strong business model could collapse. Yeah, this is very important. Because of the special of the Silicon Valley Bank, that probably one of the reasons makes things happen so strong this time, and this really brings a huge impact. At least in Silicon Valley, always a startup ecosystem in the Bay Area. But what really caused the Silicon Valley collapse? I think, in short, the collapse of SVB was caused by the lack of liquidity to return money to deposit. As I mentioned earlier about the commercial bank's business model, SVB needs to manage its portfolios to generate returns, which including lending to the clients, to the venture debt, buying bonds, and other investment. But it also needs to maintain enough liquidity to allow the depositors to withdraw their money. During the normal time, this should be manageable. However, the market downturn last year made it difficult for stocks to secure funding from investors. This results in decreased cash flow inflow for SBBs, and also coupled with the fact the stocks were bringing through the cash burn much faster than we can expect during the bad times. So SBB experienced a great cash outflow as well as a result. SBB have to sell more assets parked in the other allocations to exchange for the cash and to meet the withdrawal demands. Okay, so it's more like what happened for now, right? It's a phenomenon. But it definitely have some like long-term issue or long-term reason or like long-term fact 
to reflect this this happened. Yes, after 2008, uh, there's a, a financial crisis in the United States. So they are trying to do a lot of kind of printing monies to help the economies going back. And it works. But after the years, the United States government are still printing the monies. So in the midst of the pandemic, I think SVB, like other banks, they are experiencing a surge of deposit without enough lending opportunities because money keeps going out, printing out for the bank. So they need to find some way to park these assets into other places. So they invest in the assets fund in safe U.S. Treasury securities. However, the rapid raise in the interest rate in 2022 and 2023 caused the value of these securities to decline. So I think as the yield and the interest rate increases, the bond price fell. So this led to the significant loss of SVBs. In the effort of to raise the necessary fund for the liquidities, SVB need to sell some of their securities, incurring a loss of about 1.8 billion USD and was unable to raise enough capital to offset these loss. So as a result, their stock price began to decline, and some venture capitalists advised their portfolios to withdraw their monies from SVBs. So this creates a negative feedback loop. Because uh, SVB is unable to meet the deposits liquidity requirement, so they collapse. And then FDIC is now mentioning the bank now. You mentioned about FDIC. So FDIC actually have some action after the whole thing, right? Yeah. I think at the very first, I saw a lot of people discussing about the bank insurance, about the 250000 If the deposit is under 250000 in the bank, they are insured, which means they can get their money back. They don't need to worry. But as for those more than 250000 these uninsured deposits, at SVBs, they might have some trouble to get the money back. So I think FDIC jump out and say, okay, don't worry. I will give you a kind of receiver's certificate to the depositor. Say, hey, you can withdraw the money to other bank to make sure you can get the money back. So don't worry about that. This is what FDIC do to ease the panic of the SVB collapse. So like everybody a little bit worry about maybe this is one time and the most of people really worry about is like is that kind of system crisis because everybody remember 10, 15 years ago, the financial crisis happened in 2009 and 2008. And during that time, like globally crisis and a lot of things happen, really bad things happen. So in your opinion, do you think that will become another system crisis happening in the United States? In the beginning, I think that might have the chance to be a systematic crisis. But because the United States government have learned from the history, so maybe they can do some action to prevent these crises. So I think SVB's collapse does highlight the risk that many banks have their investment portfolios. So if the interest rate continues to rise, and the Federal Reserve has indicated that they will, so the value of the investment portfolio of banks across the U.S. will continue to go down, while those losses are just on papers. 
meaning that they are not realized until the assets are sold. But this still can increase the bank's overall risk. So how much the risk will go up will vary from bank to bank. But I think unlike SVBs, other banks' clients are more diversified, which means they are not just a lot of them are stocks. So it might be less chance to cause the systematic crises. Yeah, that's very important. U.S. government is trying to help and to make sure that this won't be a system crisis. But what exactly they do to avoid this kind of system crisis? As I mentioned, they are worried about other banks will face this kind of situations. So the U.S. government they provide a program called the Bank Term Funding Program (BTFP). It's a lender of less resource facilities. It was created in March 2023 after the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank to lend to other banks that had big unrealized losses on their holdings of government bonds and were therefore at the risk of large-scale withdrawals of deposits. So the facilities allows banks to exchange assets such as U.S. Treasuries for cash at their full face amount, regardless of the current market values. These loans are for up to one years at an interest rate equal to one years overnight index swap rate on the overnight loans plus zero point one percentage point. So this prevent other banks have to face the liquidity problems. So I think it has less chance to become the systematic crisis. As you mentioned, Silicon Valley Bank and the venture capital in Silicon Valley. Do you mind explain more about what kind of relationship they have and what kind of partnership they have? I think for the venture capitalists and their investor, venture limited partners, and also the star founders, their connection is all about the monies. So I think bank plays an important role in the middleman. So SVB operates an ecosystem with a powerful network effect. Network effect is generated by having more users and applications. In the platforms and leading to increase the value for the old users. So in the early days, SVB may not have that much influence to attract many staff to join their ecosystem. But as SVB began to serve more staff and venture capitals, it was able to design a service follows that specifically for the staff's needs. So as the big name VCs became their clients of SVBs. They will recommend their portfolios to use the bank services, creating a ripple effect. So, with all the parties together using the same system, I think the communication costs will reduce, making it more attractive for new staffs to choose SVB based on the recommendation from their maybe investors or their entrepreneur friends. This leads to more staff and VCs using SVB services and creating a powerful network effect. Actually, I heard some event happening at SVB Bank. They probably they have some kind of social event for their clients, and they can helping them and introduce them each other. And you know, because most of them they are, for example, like some venture capital focus on Series A, some venture capital focus on like Series B, and some of them focus on early stage. So they will introduce for each other. That's very cool. Yeah, because all of them can benefit from the network effect. Benefit from the platform, as I mentioned. If I am a Series A investors, I also want my portfolio to be invested by the Series B investors, and so on and so on and so on. And SVBs can also benefit from that if they do the venture debt to the star founders. 
So I think because this kind of network effect will make more and more star founders join to these groups. I think they have a distinct advantage is that they can access to the valuable data and insights on which venture capital firms or the general partners have a track record to find the right stuff and generating the significant returns. As you mentioned, if you host the events and you can get into the ecosystem more and you can know the venture partners or general partners or star founders more, so this is all become your data into your platforms. So this enables SVB to back this high-performing staff with greater competence. So over the past few decades, the variation and the investment in staff has grown substantially. And SVB has benefited from this trend. So if SVB has utilized the venture debt earlier on, they can have a potential earned significant capital gain in addition to the interest rates. So as a result, I think the startups, the general partner, limit partners, and the Silicon Valley banks form a tinite uh, clusters with lower transaction costs. So SVB has a unique insight to which funds and the staff perform well and has even become an LP for some venture capital funds. So this ecosystem creates a powerful network effect where successful staff and the venture capital firms attracts more entrepreneurs and investors to the Silicon Valley bank platform. Yeah, because this is really strong. I mean, they help each other make sure the cash flow or the assets still exist in the whole chain, right? Yes, that's correct. But as for the platform, I think the term I would define if you are a good platform, you should have the network effect and the login effect. But I think while Silicon Valley Bank has a strong network effect, but it lacks a strong login effect. This means that depositors can withdraw their money at any time without incurring high switching costs. So unlike other services on the web, such as Facebook, where users can simply quit the platform, SCBB face more liability when the depositor choose to leave. This is because SBB needs to pay back for the depositors, which can be more costly and then simply deleting data on a platform like Facebook. So as a result, I think SBB face more challenges when it comes to retaining deposits and maintaining their platform's sustainability. Okay, got it. So what's your opinions like after the SVB collapse? What will happen? Along with the market downturn last year, the SVB event will make more investors or the star founders have less confidence to back the star founders, which means that it will become more expensive for the entrepreneurs to obtain the financing, whether through the debt financing or the equity financing. And this also could result in a longer wait times or higher expenses for entrepreneurs seeking funding, potentially leading to the needs of saving less money or facing more dilution in the coming years. So in such situations, it's important for founders to use their funds efficiently and plan for the long term. So maybe there are a few things that star founders can do in the long term. And there's also some new technologies coming out like the chat GPT, the power of AI coming up. So I think if you want to do the business more efficient, I think first, the growth of AI and the tool like chat GPT can help automate workflows. It allows them to operate with fewer people and low cost. So this increases the efficiency that can help reduce the financial burden on entrepreneurs. 
And second, like what AdInventure want to do, AdInventure leverage the resources available in Taiwan and Asia, which the costs were reasonable to help the start founders become more efficient and more effective. So by utilizing these resources, startups can overcome the financial challenges and achieve success in the long run. Yeah, so you suggest more like help the startup founders to try to reduce the operation costs to cross the winter time. And what do you see will happen soon? I think along with the market downturns, so the valuation was going down. The money that the VC ingests to the staff founder, maybe in later stage will be much more conservative. But I think in early stage, because the valuation is not that crazy, so maybe investors will inject more money into the early stage funds. And along with the power of AI, I think they don't need that much money. Because the previous 10, 15 years, I have to say the evaluation in general is a little bit crazy for the startups. So what you see as a venture capitalist, you will see probably some of the evaluation were going down. Yeah, I think for the growth stage or the kind of pre-IVO stage, startup founders, they need to face the difficulty of the down run. Because in good times, their valuation is very high. But as I mentioned, I think for early stage, the star founders, they have the reasonable valuation. So it might be easier for them to raise money to make every step more smooth. I see. So thank you very much for the Brendan. We are coming to the end of our time here on the podcast. Thanks again for turning into today's show. We will see you next week on Star Island Taiwan. <laughs>